next time, Cop Watch stalks a killer on a homicide beat. Reporter Tawny Teller promises some spectacular footage and a show unlike any we've seen so far. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. It's time for another episode of The Strange. From the Pod Lab. From the Pod Lab. We get to be in the Pod Lab again. I know it seems weird that we're celebrating the fact that we get to be in the room that we custom built to do podcasting, but we have two children, so gets a little weird when you go in a soundproof room and leave them alone by themselves. Yeah, and we have not done that when they're sleeping. No. That right feels... now we're only doing it when they're awake. Right. So that if something happens... They're awake, and we've told them recently where we are, so they can come find us. Yeah. So this is a Forever Night episode. Forever Night, Season 1, Episode 17, Unreality TV. Or, as I like to think of it, the most awkward episode. (laughs) I was about to say the same thing. (laughs) Since False Witness. False Witness. Yes. Yeah, that was... Matt looked well, off, maybe like, maybe there's some room there to differentiate between awkward and uncomfortable. Well, false witness was Nick's uncomfortable episode. Yes, and this one is Skanky's uncomfortable episode. Poor Skanky. Yeah, this is a theme we carry on through the entire series. We ditch a lot, season to season, but we consistently carry on the fact that skanky wants to be in show business and every opportunity that he has to be in show business he can't help but ham it up which is hysterical because john capellos by any standard is a successful actor because he's been in hundreds of things which to his credit it's probably a difficult thing to do to be a good actor acting out a character that is a bad actor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, there's a story about the guy who voiced Bugs Bunny. So the guy who voiced Bugs Bunny, Mel Blanc, voiced pretty much every Looney Tunes character. And so there's an a Looney Tunes cartoon where Bugs Bunny is pretending to be Daffy Duck. So, and Daffy Duck is also voiced by Mel Blanc. So Mel Blanc had to be a character pretending to be another character who was also his character. And so the level of skill required to approximate that voice is uh, astounding. And so the fact that John Capellos, who is a good actor, is very good at also being a bad actor is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which, funny, also wildly uncomfortable. In fact, there were parts where Matt was literally curled up in the fetal position in the chair, just going, oh, skanky. It was pretty bad. I couldn't watch. Yeah. I had to put my hands over my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. This is a pretty... um, this is a, one of those very dated episodes where it's good, you get where they're going, but at the same time you're like, oh my god, this is, this is, uh, it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot, yeah. It's much. 
I like it. Much. This is an attempt at establishing more of a culture for the vampires. Yes. Because up till this point, they're pretty much just like, there's vampires. Don't do weird shit. Don't get caught too much. Um, just kind of keep keep it on the DL. Okay? And that's the rule in their group. It's just yeah. keep it on the DL. Um, not like in Vampire the Masquerade or some of the other ones where they have a very elaborate, structured society. They don't. Um, kind of, though, because that's what we get in this episode. Is there's right. actual There is a formal power structure in the vampire world. Of some description. Sort of. Right. In Vampire the Masquerade, they kind of... They have, you know, hooks into... They have influence over mortal world right Uh, this is more of a it feels like a volunteer police force yes (laughs) (laughs) we volunteer to enforce some of the like the one thing that's in the code (laughs) the code the code the code all right but before we get into it hi i'm rachel and i'm matt welcome to the strange and beautiful book club So before we learn anything about the code, which every time I was like, it's just guidelines. Because <laughs> I can't hear the word the code and not think about Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. Uh, but we open on a film crew. We don't open on a crime. We kind of open we, on a crime. We're in Nick's car. The top is open for some reason. I can only assume he is trying to sabotage the video. The sound recording. The sound recording. Because they have a film crew in the car with them. And Nick and... And they're just letting Skanky go. Yeah. Well, this is a cops-style television show. Right. Called Cop Watch. And I didn't realize this, but Cops has been on for, like, forever. Cops is older than this television show. Than Forever Night. Wow. Yeah. Which So this is a referential. We're we're referencing cops in this. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Skanky is, for lack of a better word, pontificating about his role as a cop and how the streets are a jungle and there's wild animals masquerading as humans. Tonight we ride with Metro homicide officers Nick Knight and Don Skanky. Yep, it's a dark and dark and lonely jungle out there with lots of wild animals masquerading as human beings. Just ask Nick. Just ask Nick. <laughs> Come to Nick and Nick's like, no comment, no comment. Because <laughs> Nick is a, oh, Nick is a wild animal masquerading as a human. <laughs> this is good. Foreshadowing. Like this is a good episode. Um, good in so many different ways. Good in that it's bad. Good in that it's, I don't know, Matt's just looking at me like you're crazy. 
<laughs> um, but he is embarrassed. Skanky is embarrassingly over the top. And he actually gets Nick to join in, which it feels like Nick is just being as ridiculous as Skanky. To just be as ridiculous as Skanky. Because yeah. Nick thinks this whole thing is bullshit. And it's very clear. He thinks this whole thing is bullshit. So when Skanky prompts him for a response, Nick says, yeah, you're all alone in an alien world. <laughs> and Skanky goes, do you really think that? <laughs> right, because Skanky's just going and going and kind of escalating yeah. the rhetoric. Right. To provoke a response. Yeah. And he's not getting a response because the film crew is like, we're just here to capture the details. Right. And Nick, and Nick is, is like, like this is all I bullshit. want no part of this yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and so Skanky just keeps amping it up. Yeah. Because he's not getting any feedback about how, yeah. how should he regulate how much bullshitting he's doing. Yeah. So the bullshitting is just off the charts. <laughs> uh, so they get a call. They get a call over their radio for 81 Kilo, which is their call sign. I think it's all units that there is a possible homicide in progress and they need to go. And so Nick is like, okay, I need you guys to turn the light off. Get Stay low. Back. Get low. Don't get shot. Like we're going into a potentially dangerous situation. Please act accordingly. And so he starts yelling at the camera guy to turn the light off. And they actually get to the scene so quickly, there's still milk coming out of this guy's milk carton. Because he got was shot a very through. nice touch. Yeah. He got yeah. shot through a bag of groceries, dropped the groceries, and the guy's still alive. So Skanky is like, we're going to call an ambulance. He's getting ready to crouch over the corpse. Uh, or not corpse yet, but the victim. Let's call it the victim. And Nick is like, oh, the there might be something over there. So he runs off. In a direction. And he actually starts getting shot at because the the gunman is still here. In the alleyway. In the alleyway. And so he tells the the video guy, the... Cameraman. Cameraman. There's the word for that. The video guy. You got it. <laughs> he tells the cameraman, like, fucking stay over there out of the line of fire. And so the guy is both filming Nick and filming the, the shooter. Yep. And... This guy is shooting at Nick, and Nick is doing his usual, I'll just put my arm over my head. That will definitely make it look like I'm trying to not get shot. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, he is again wearing his purple members-only jacket. For the last time. And this is a seriously unfortunate combination. Normally, Nick is, I'm, I'm all about Nick's fashion. It, even sometimes the purple members only jacket, but he is wearing a purple members only jacket and a light purple turtleneck underneath. And it is a rare fashion miss <laughs> for Mr. Nick. <laughs> it is not. No. Plus something is up with the makeup in this entire episode. I don't know if they thought, Hey, let's just give the interns a shot at this, but everyone looks, all of the vampires look extremely strange. In this episode, Nick looks particularly pale. Maybe it's the purple, the purple ensemble. Yeah, just maybe his attire of... contrasting with his skin. But the the other vampires that show up do look distinctive. Yeah, they're supposed to look extra pale, um, which is fine. But several times, maybe it's the lighting. We just get this weird. It, it looks strange. The, their makeup looks different. I don't know. It just kept standing out to me that like, why does he look 
does nobody else notice the fact that he's literally white, like white, 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 um, dur than usual. I don't know. Maybe he's been trying some new Nick or some new Natalie cocktail. It's just not, <laughs> she's not hitting the same. But he tells Bobby, who's the camera guy, to stay back. And then, of course, he gets shot. But we don't see that just yet. Um, and he chases the perpetrator down the alley. He chases the shooter down the alley. And he's so ready to just fly after this guy and catch him. And he's got right. fangs out, eyes are ready. He's jazzed. He's getting ready to do his thing. And, and the camera here comes Bobby. Bobby comes up right behind him. And he's like, well, shit. <laughs> can't do my job which shows an uncharacteristic level of restraint on nick's part <laughs> for now <laughs> for now, for now. <laughs> so we go back to the precinct and nick is just over the top telling stone tree how much he does not like this whole thing the budget slashers and city council don't know what we're up against it's good public relations it's bad police work just it's you against the world in this one nick that this is bullshit. And Stone Tree tells him, look, we're doing this because the pencil pushers who don't actually know what we do need to see what we do because that's how you get funding. So it's you against the world on this because everyone else is on board but you, Nick. And normally, I just let you do whatever the fuck you want because you get results. But in this case, I'm sorry, but we're you're just you're stuck with them. He actually tells them they were in Vietnam, they were in the Persian Gulf. I think you can handle having them ride around with you for like 24 hours. And he immediately, Nick immediately gets proven wrong because they have caught the killer on tape. Enhance. Literally on tape because they have an actual like full size tape. Cassette recorder. Cassette, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they even say the word enhance. She goes, once we put this in the computer and enhance it... (laughs) I was like, CSI enhance. Yeah. And then we go to the autopsy, which feels a little bit like revenge. Because Natalie is just coolly showing them. All right. And then here's the part where I cut open the wound and I hold it open and I pull the bullet out and they lose it. Both Tawny, who is the actual reporter and the camera guy lose it they go off to go to the bathroom to throw up and so nick is like yeah they were in vietnam they were in the persian gulf and now they're in the bathroom they were in vietnam they were in the persian gulf and now they're in the bathroom well the sight of blood does strange things to some people tell me about it (laughs) and uh natalie responds well blood does strange things to people and nick's like Tell me about it. (laughs) And then we get our first flashback. And this is Nick as a Civil War medic. And it it made me realize that I really want to make a timeline for Nick. (laughs) Just chart his location at any given time. Yeah. Because I feel like there's overlap here. Yeah, somebody got a little sloppy with the time periods. Yeah, that's what I want. I just want to, I think I, I put up on the Instagram that a like layout of Nick's loft that somebody had made up way back, way back in like 1999. I had to go on the Wayback Machine to get it. And I put it up on Instagram and I credited the person who created it. But I, I bet you somebody out there has created the timeline of where he was. 
And we get, we even get some LaCroix, and LaCroix drops a hint about the last time they were together. So you could even include that on the timeline because he's like, when was the last time we were together? And he throws out a couple of examples of the last time that they saw each other. But it turns out that Nick was a medic in the Civil War. And he used his hypnosis to help people. And so the... Not feel the pain. Not feel the pain, yeah. And the photographer comes in and he's like, "Um, I need to take some pictures of the dying people just for records. And Nick's like, nobody's dying here. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says... Optimistic Nick. I know. Optimistic. Zero chill. He's got a lot of... You know what? He's he's toxically positive <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 they're going to be fine. They're in a tent, which is in no way sterile, with a vampire. But I'm pretty sure everything's going to be okay. And the photographer's like, okay, well, actually, what I came here to talk to you about is um, the other day I was out and I was taking some pictures and I got something really strange on the pictures. And I need you I need you to take a look at it. I'd just love it if you could come in and oh, I don't know, give me a couple of notes. Uh, you know, everything was on fire, so it was night, but I was still able to take pictures because there was plenty of light. Anyway, can you come by when you have a chance? And Nick's like, Yeah, 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 sure, whatever, it's fine. And then we do a transition back to them at the the Studio, not studio. What would you call that? The oh, like the, the editing room. Yeah, the editing room for Cop Watch, and this is where we get our CSI enhance. Literally, they we put the tape into a form the computer can work with to digitize it, and then this little white box appears around <laughs> where they want to zoom in, and they just zoom in, and it goes do 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 do, just makes his face <laughs> like super clear. Because the muzzle shots, the muzzle flashes were lighting up this guy's face. And and it's just, it's the most CSI enhanced, like pre-CSI, CSI enhanced. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, you know, once we get a good picture of this guy, that little baby over there is going to print out any any frame you want. And the the picture they print out is like a three by five. It's like this itty bitty tiny little thing they print out. And it just goes, and they just pick it up and hand it to him. Like, um... Okay, I don't know. Printers in 1992. Where were we with that? Were we in Dot Matrix? (laughs) Were we in Color World? I don't know, because it's an actual fucking photograph that they print out in this editing room. Right, that seems like like TV magic. That seems like a technological stretch. It feels like the same kind of bullshit that led them to believe we would just accept the fact that Polaroids take a year to develop. (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't matter because it helps. And Nick is, again, proven wrong and that they were actually helpful in this situation. And Skanky walks away with the camera guy and he's like, oh, that was really great. Do you think every police officer should have a camera on them when they're on the beat? Yeah. And Bobby's like, yeah, yeah. You know, every cop on the beach should have a video with him. Oh, yeah, it'll happen. Next couple of years, you can count on it. And Nick, oh, but before they do the CSI enhance, Nick has like a really dated joke because they pull up the picture and it's really grainy. And Nick's like, oh, yeah, I couldn't tell that guy from Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> oh, great, Nick. Yeah, let's just 
throw out some random trivia. And I bet he was there. I bet he was there. A hundred percent. Nick was there. Nick never shoveled shit for the revolution. He had his finger on the pulse of history from the very <laughs> beginning. <laughs> so absolutely, he was there. He probably knows what actually happened. He's the only one. Uh, except for the vampires that orchestrated the whole thing. <laughs> he was trying to stop it. That's why he was there. Oh, yeah. Could be. I bet I bet LaCroix recruited Harvey Oswald. You think so? Well, I bet you there's a um, fan fiction about that. I could probably find it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 30 years of content to search through. There's always something. So after we do the CSI Enhance, we get our picture. We get our joke about every cop having a camera on them. Nick gets ready to leave and the night custodian or the night guy is coming, the night operator or whatever he is. Yeah. Um, he's bringing in a load of tapes for Tawny and he's clearly a vampire, right? We could have toned the makeup down just like slightly left us in a little bit of suspense here. But no, no, unless this guy literally never goes outside ever. This guy's a vampire. And Nick pauses a minute like, hmm, wow, okay. One of Another one of us has a job because none of the, others seem, none of the yeah. others seem to have a job. So, hey, that's right. Maybe he just died. He's still yeah. got bills to pay. <laughs> he was already working here. He died, got turned into a vampire. Well, he's already working the night shift. Yeah, that's the plot okay. of um, Fred the Vampire Accountant. Yes. Yeah. So there's a really good book series, this is a small aside, um, by an, an author named Drew Hayes called Fred the Vampire Accountant. And it's about a guy who gets turned into a vampire and he's an accountant and he realizes he can just keep doing his job. So he does. So he just becomes a vampire accountant. <laughs> it's a good series. And we get another flashback. And it is Nick looking at, oh, he's looking at Polaroids. So he's looking at Polaroids of mugshots to see if he can find somebody who matches the killer's picture that they got from Tawny. Right. And when he has this flashback, it looks painful. He like holds his head and like rubs his forehead like this memory is intruding on his like daily life and he's not he doesn't want it, but he can't stop it. Yeah. So it was like the intrusive thoughts episode that we had for Spin Doctor. Yeah. Where he was having these flashbacks and they really felt like something he couldn't help. And we get that sense again here where he doesn't want to remember this, but he is anyway. And it is the guy showing him his pictures, the photographer showing him the pictures that he took of the, the pictures weird that he took of LaCroix. Of LaCroix. Of LaCroix just being like, mm, I think I'm going to have a little snack. <laughs> Eating. People that are still technically alive. Yeah. Laying down on the battlefield. Right. And now we get a glimpse of perhaps why Nick has zero chill. Because as LaCroix is landing and realizing this guy is taking pictures of him, he just looks over at the camera and snarls very dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> Better get my game. This is my good side. <laughs> LaCroix also has zero chill. And LaCroix also has zero chill. But LaCroix knows he doesn't have chill. And he intentionally has no chill. I think Nick just doesn't. Right. Everything LaCroix does feels very intentional. Except for apparently getting caught by a... Well, cameras are new. 
cameras are new. It's not something he's ever had to worry about before. It may even have been intentional because he knows Nick is there. Yeah. And he may, I don't know, want Nick to see the picture just to shock him. No, I don't think so. Because as events unfold, even Lacroix looks frightened of the consequences. And the photographer is like, what is that? Do you you think it's an angel? And Nick's like, yes. (laughs) An angel of death. (laughs) There by then, the rest of the outfit was way up ahead. What the hell is it, Doc? An angel? <laughs> yes. The angel of death. <laughs> Which the Qua would probably be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Nick. Thanks, it's so nice. You've never said such a nice thing about me. <laughs> so we go back go back and it's tawny and tawny is still watching this video and she's doing another csi enhance only this time she enhances a frame of nick and she realizes yeah that he got shot because she's able the hole in his jacket she is able to zoom all the way in to the hole in his jacket even though he was whole ass on the other side of the street and this camera operator does not have a steady cam of any kind this is like found footage bullshit right and she somehow freezes this shot and zooms in on this hole so our purple members only jacket now has its third bullet hole (laughs) or his third purple members only jacket (laughs) now has one hole in it (laughs) depending on depending on which which way it goes and then we go back to the flashback again and it's LaCroix, but LaCroix for realsies. Like, LaCroix shows up. Nick pushes a curtain aside, and LaCroix is standing right there. And he's like, this one's fading fast. I don't think he's going to make the night. <laughs> Would you care to come join me? <laughs> and Nick's like, Would you fucking get out of here? And LaCroix is like, oh, no, no, I'm not visiting you. I'm, I'm here for the free food. I'm here for the buffet. It's been a long time, Nicholas. Let me see, when was it? The Crimea? The War of 1812? You follow Connors like a vulture. Oh, I don't care for the conflict. It's very noisy. Don't you agree? But I love the free food. You're a sick man, Lacroix. Then physician, heal thyself. He's like, I don't care about war. I don't care about the carnage. I I find the whole business kind of noisy. A little bit messy. But I really like all the mostly dead people just laying about on the ground. Right. For me to just have my way with and nick is here nibble there i know nick is like no no i only take as much as i need to be able to do my job and just like you're such a spoil sport (laughs) (laughs) and he says well did that photographer get pictures of me and nick's like what photographer i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) lacroix's like oh no you can't hide your thoughts from me i think we skipped those listen those lessons or no i never taught you that very well but maybe we just skipped those lessons altogether which is one of the few times we reference the fact that lacroix can read his mind right again another first and last just like our oh we never reference this again i'm pretty sure we don't they can tell each other's location that's pretty consistent we can like sense when each other are near but the thought reading thing is most of the time it's implied that Lacroix is just very, very good 
at reading Nick's expression. Because they've been around a long time, and Nick is an open book. Right. Yeah. To everyone anyway, but especially LaCroix. Oh, yeah. And then LaCroix implies something about, I don't need to get them, do I? And Nick is like, no, right. no, no, no. Because he's telling Nick that the photographer has to destroy the pictures. Yeah, we have to, you know, we got to we gotta keep this on the DL. That's like our one job. So we got to go ahead and like nip this in the bud. And Nick is like, oh, no, no, we don't need to tell them, though. I'll handle it. I've got it. I've got this. He's, right. he's kind so of my friend. There's a them. There's a them. We don't know who them are yet. Them are. We don't know who them are yet. <laughs> we don't know who them is. We don't know who them is. But we know Nick doesn't want them around. So whatever they are, they are frightening even to our really old, really powerful vampire characters. So. Oh, I wrote in my notes enforcers, but I don't know if at this point we call them enforcers or not. I don't think so. Well. Yeah. We come back from our flashback. And Nick is hanging upside down off the couch. He's like laying back on the couch with his head tilted back. And he quick sits up, grabs the empty green bottle that was sitting right next to him and shoves it under the cushion on the couch. Because Skanky has agreed to let the film crew into Nick's apartment. Come on, Skanky. He's like, I know you told me I could only use the alarm code in case of emergencies, but I really wanted more FaceTime with this camera. And this was yeah. my way of getting it. Hey. Uh, but in the name of, uh, he calls it uh, video veritas. <laughs> truth. In the name of truth, we had to show every side right. of the Candid. Cop. Candid, yeah. Candid film. The cop out of the uniform. He's like, or, you know, in pajamas or whatever it is you're wearing. Because Nick has like an oversized t-shirt on. Which must have been the fad in the 90s. A really long, drapey t-shirt. It would fit because a lot of clothes in the 90s were oversized. Like yeah, the oversized suits. And yeah. Uh, so Nick is um pissed. He is not jazzed about this. He is beyond pissed. He's got literal bottles of blood just sitting around the apartment, and these people just showed up. And he tells Skanky, um, a phone call would have been nice. It's called Video Verite, Nick. I hope you don't mind. Listen, I know I wasn't supposed to use the door code except under emergency, but we wanted to capture the man behind the uniform. Well, in this case, out of the uniform. We wanted to capture the reality of the man, not just the cop on the beat. Verite phone call would be nice. Ow! That would have ruined the surprise. Yeah, he's like, no, and then you would have been prepared. And Nick's like, fucking yes, I would have been prepared. <laughs> I was, <laughs> he's lucky he wasn't asleep in one of his like dead comas, the right. one that he had in Father Figure, right. where Lisa was trying to wake him up and couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bobby's going to open the blinds. He's like, oh, it's kind of dark in here. And Nick's like, don't touch the blinds. <laughs> Which reminded me of um, in What We Do in the Shadows, Nadia, mm. she she has a line where she says, sometimes to be heard, a woman must use her special voice. And she has this like, <laughs> voice that she could do because he's just chatting with Skanky. And then he literally turns around and is like, don't touch the place. <laughs> it's just 
just like, don't touch the blinds. And so uh, Skanky's like, yeah, yeah, don't. Nick is really allergic to sunlight, which is the first time anybody's taken that seriously. Right. That Nick is allergic to sunlight. And Tani's like, oh, a cop with a disability. That could be a really good angle. Right. And Nick is like. Skanky only says it because, hey, that's that would make good ratings. Yeah, and Tawny's like, oh, man, yeah, we could work that angle. And Nick's like, no, nope, it's a small one. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to talk about my disability on the air, obviously. I mean, right. first of all, that's just a whole kettle of fish, the idea of right. using the disability angle in any situation. And then the fact that he is a vampire and you are literally putting on television that this guy is allergic to the sunlight is the opposite of um, the DL. <laughs> Although that it's is, kind of that's the normal level up, of disclosure. That's the up high. That's the, <laughs> that's the UH. Um, really, all she had to do was go interview one of the 13 people <laughs> who are currently incarcerated um, and probably telling literally anyone who will listen that they got caught by a guy with glowing green eyes and fangs. Yeah. And then Tawny would have had her journalistic um, boner over the whole I think I found something really cool and I've got the scoop on it. And all she had to do was go talk to these people. She, right. she does a lot of digging when she doesn't need to. Nick has left a trail so wide. <laughs> and he has not hidden it. And he has not hidden it. He's been hiding in plain sight by just uh, hoping no one ever believes anybody. And by the time the total weight of evidence is so great, no one can deny it. He'll just dip. He'll be gone. He'll It'll be, be gone. time for He'll him to fine. have a new identity anyway. Yeah. But Tawny asks him, aren't you sore? And Nick's like, well, I mean, I'm sore about the fact that you guys fucking showed up at my house in the morning without giving me a call. <laughs> She's like, no, no, I mean, I mean, when you got shot, aren't you, aren't you sore from when you got shot? And he's like, oh, um, no, standing here, aren't I? Like, well, clearly I didn't get shot because I'm not dead. Hey. Hey. Can you just do the human thing where you rationalize that away? That'd be great. Thanks. And she declines. Yeah, she's like, nope. yeah, look, I got close-up video footage of you getting shot. Yeah. Oh, and then is there something weird about you? <laughs> and Skanky says, well, you know, actually, there was a reason I came here, and it's because we figured out who this guy is. And he holds up a piece of fax paper. Do you remember fax paper? Fax oh, yeah. used to have like a thermal paper, like a receipt paper instead of regular paper. And it had this, mm -hmm. my dad sent a fax to my, I went to like sleepaway camp over the summer one time and my dad faxed me a letter to camp. And so I got, I used to have it and it was this like, it was thermal and it was really thin and it had this like silky texture to it. Okay. No, I've only ever interacted with faxes that used like, like a, a regular toner paper. printer. Yeah. No, it was like an OG fax thing. Um, the because when they had when the technology for printers, despite the fact that we were able to instantly produce a photograph from a printer in this particular episode, but when the printers couldn't keep up with the input of information from the fax from the fax line, mm -hmm. it was faster just to have a thermal printer. Okay. But that's what he has. That's why it's so thin looking when he holds it up. It's a piece gotcha. of fax paper, and he is. So excited to be able to share this with Nick. And then they get kind of a line. They get kind of a line on where this guy might be. And so they go out to motels to try to find him. And of course, Nick can't go. 
because Nick is, it's daytime. Nick's it's daytime. Yeah. So they leave. Well, Nick kind of kicks them out. And then when they leave, he turns around and just picks up a bottle of blood that was just sitting there. And he's like, Ugh, that was close. <laughs> that was really, really close. Yeah. And the next time we see Skanky and the film crew, he is staging a scene where he's getting out of the car and talking at the same time. And he's like, you know what, actually? Can we look, do that again? Look, can we do that again? Can we take it from the top? Because I didn't, I just wasn't feeling it that time. And Tawny's like, this is supposed to be candid. You know that, right? And Skanky's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you want me to play it like, you want, to, you want me to play it a little differently? And she's like, I have an idea. How about you don't fucking play it at all? Skanky. And Nick, or Skanky's like, okay, okay, um, yeah, I'm taking your notes. And then Tawny sneaks in. So, um, how long have you known Nick? Tell me, um, how long have you known Detective Knight? I don't know, a year maybe. Does he seem sort of eccentric to you? Nick, eccentric? You mean the skin condition thing? That, yes. You mean the only ever working night shift thing? You mean the fact that he has no family and shies away from social functions, like bowling and other stuff with the cops? Still hasn't bought me one meal? Never seen to eat himself? Not even donuts? Eccentric? Skanky's like, well, I don't know, year, whatever, somewhere in there. I'll keep track of these things. Don't you think he's a little weird? And then Skanky drops Sk- like six references. <laughs> he's like, oh, you mean how he never goes bowling with any of the cops and he never eats anything and he never, he still hasn't bought me a meal. And he's just like, here's all the things that I'm a little bit sore about because it's what I'm expecting from a partner. It's the social contract. A human partner. Between me and what I would expect from a partner. And he's not fulfilling his side of the social contract. Yeah. And Tawny is like, tell me more. (laughs) And Skanky is completely oblivious to him, like, doxing Nick. Yeah. (laughs) Doxing. That's a good way to put it. But he goes, okay, but do you want me to bring it down a little bit? And she's like, yeah, how about bring it down 50,000 feet? He's like, (laughs) okay, I can do that. But we cut back to Nick, and Nick is getting ready for the night. And he picks up his purple members-only jacket, and he sticks his finger through the bullet hole like he just realized there's, like, 14 holes in the shirt. Because <laughs> he got hit by an ooze. I mean, the guy had, like, an automatic rifle. Yeah. And he was hitting him with it. And he's like, ah, fuck it. And he just throws it on the piano, and then we see it ripple as he takes off out the window. Whoosh. Which, bold. Bold of him when this woman is clearly sniffing around because she suspects that something is weird about Nick for him to not drive to the station. Right. So that later they're like. Maybe he was flying to his car. His car is at the underground like parking deck. Shh. shh. <laughs> He's like, you know, elevator's too slow, stairs too slow. I think I'm just going to jump out the window. Yeah. going to yeet myself down to my car. I don't know. I don't know. Because he has his car later. Because we're in his car again yeah. later. I don't know. But he has his leather jacket on when we see him again. Um, his like short leather jacket, it's not his full trench. Yeah, it's better for flying. A little <laughs> less cape like. He's like, okay, I got to tone down the vampire angle, so my long black coats are just right out, <laughs> right out for a little bit. Here. But they the go- purple jacket did it perfectly. I know Who's- it totally put everybody like, off guard. You put a guy in a purple members only jacket. Nobody is thinking vampire. Okay, so as an attempt at an as a disguise, it was a pretty good one. Because I don't know that I would ever look at somebody and be like, wow, 
Only vampires wear purple jackets. <laughs> Thin, cinched at the waist and everywhere. <laughs> jackets. But maybe the bullet holes would have been a dead giveaway after a while. Eventually. Yeah. But she doesn't bleed, so they're just holes. So they could be anything. Be like, ah, oh, fucking washer keeps catching the <laughs> keeps catching the jacket. <laughs> but they go to a motel and they're talking to the lady at the front. And of course the film crew is there. And the lady at the front is a little eccentric. She's our she's our comedic relief for this section. Yeah. Because she's talking to her dog. She's like cuddling her dog, which again I was like that dog is dead. <laughs> if not, it would be like 35 years old. Yeah. But she says this guy. Yeah, that guy's here. Earlier this afternoon. What room is he in? 213, the honeymoon suite. But I don't think he's on his honeymoon. He checked in oh, a while ago and he's in the honeymoon suite. But I don't think he's on his honeymoon. <laughs> she just talked to the dog. <laughs> yeah, like cutesy talking to the dog. <laughs> yeah. And so then they go to confront this guy who is armed and dangerous with the film crew with no protective gear, <laughs> no backup, no nothing. They're just like, okay, so he's in the honeymoon suite. Great, we'll go. Well, okay, so this this is how Nick and Skanky would normally approach this kind of situation. Right. Not like a normal police crew, but... Because Nick just has zero chill. Right. He, in this, you're approaching a dangerous criminal, suspect, whatever. Skanky, hang back. I'll charge in. I know. Well, if you go with my fan theory that Skanky is fully aware of the fact that Nick is bulletproof, yeah. then, of course, Skanky never bothers to put on any kind of protective gear. <laughs> he just stays back. He's like, I'll, I'll go around back. I'll go around back. I'll, I'll, you take care of this, right? I'll go around back, Nick, okay? You do what you need to do. And then you just, you you beep beep me when when you got him, okay? And so he's just, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> like Elmer Fudd, sneaks around the side and just waits at a safe location while Nick does but all the But they work. are, they're so accustomed to this style of, um, I don't know. Handling Part dangerous people. Yeah. The, yeah. The, their partnership roles. They're, right. they're so they're used so to their roles. They're so accustomed to this yeah. that they don't stop and think, hold on. Is this how all other like police officer teams work? Yeah. Uh, is this how other teams would approach this situation? Because mm -hmm. we don't want to do anything that looks weird in front of the film no, crew. They just go for it. It's fine. They just... Ah. This is how we always do things, and the crew, the film crew is here with us. All right, let's go. Yeah. So Bobby gets shot. <laughs> gets hit by a ricochet. Because they're like, police open up, and the guy starts shooting through the door, of course, because he's armed and dangerous. Of course. And so a ricochet hits Bobby. And Nick is like, get him out of here. So he tells Skanky to get Bobby. He tells Skanky and Bobby and Tawny to all go. He's like, it's fine. I've got this. Look, I've got this. You guys go. And so they go to leave. But Tawny doesn't leave. <gasps> she picks up the recorder, the camcorder, and Nick breaks through the door. This guy has yeeted himself off the balcony. Somehow he's gotten off the balcony and is down on the ground. Yeah, he went over the edge and yeah. like climbed down. Right, because Nick just runs 
And just leaps over leaps the edge. over the edge. And then when Tawny finally gets to the side. Right, so from the room, Tawny can see the guy, like, way off in the distance. Yeah. And Nick is just jumping over the ledge. And then she gets to the ledge, and Nick has already tackled the guy. Yeah. And Nick just looks back up at her like, oh, shit. Well, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. I knew I shouldn't have had her around. It's like the false witness scene. Well, how did you cover that much distance? We had our decathlete or whatever yeah. try to do it, and it took them twice as long. Yeah, and Nick's like, I don't know, adrenaline? Um, I'm real good at my job. <laughs> I'm like a real, real good cop, okay? <laughs> just do this kind of stuff. Why are you confused about this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go back to the precinct, and Nick is like, oh, God, this is a situation. A situation has occurred, and Nick is not good at handling situations. Classically, canonically, he's shit at situations. Right, so this is the kind of situation where Nick goes to see Jeanette for advice. Well, well, not quite yet. Well, right. Yeah, but he's got on some 90s light wash jeans. I just want to throw that out there. Can we bring back the night wash jean? <laughs> no. Nice boot cut night wash jean. <laughs> All right, fine. But Skanky's come back from the hospital to report that Bobby is okay. Um, his leg's a little bit broken or whatever, but he's fine. Um, and lucky they didn't get any higher or he'd be, he'd be talking like Topo Gijo. <laughs> <laughs> Topo Gijo. The lead character of a children's puppet show in Italian television in the 1960s. Oh. Wow. It's a deep cut, Skanky. That would be from his his childhood in Italy. Yeah. It's like Louie Mouse. He's like a little mouse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a deep cut. Oh, he was featured on the Ed Sullivan show in the 60s. So uh, Topo Gigio was like a little mouse character, kind of like Mickey Mouse, but Italian. And he has a high-pitched voice, which is the joke. That Skanky's going for right. here. Ha 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 ha. Good, <sighs> good, good, good joke, Skanky. Um, and Nick is like, Yeah, that's really funny, Skanky. Uh, so Tawny, um, we need to talk privately somewhere, preferably dark, for 10, 15 minutes. Be fine. Tops. And then we'll have you out. Won't you won't be here? No problem. And she's like, mm-hmm. No. And she just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> And Nick is like, ah, shit. And then he's walking around the corner and he hears a promo for the upcoming Copwatch television show. They're going to be featured on. And the fact that there's going to be some really spectacular footage. And he's like, motherfucker. (laughs) I did it again. Well, technically, LaCroix did it last time. Yes. Yes. So this is, he's like, man, I fucked up. (laughs) I couldn't. For once, his zero chill has finally come back to haunt him. And, oh, wait, it did the, uh, there was another one. Remember where, oh, Cherry Blossoms, where he vamped out in front of that guy and then he freaked out. He was like, what if he tells people? I'll have to go. I'll have to go. And they're like, Natalie, if I have to leave, I'll find you. Don't worry. And Natalie's like, do what you need to do to save yourself. <laughs> like, he hadn't just exposed himself to, like, six people in the previous episode. Right. Yeah. 
But no, this one. This one matters. Right. This time. And so we cut to the flashback because now we need to know the stakes. Nick has gotten captured on film, just like LaCroix got captured on film. And now our flashback is going to tell us why everyone's freaking why out Why that's so a much. big deal. Why that's such a big deal. Because Nick is trying to hypnotize the photographer into forgetting about the fact that he caught a video or a picture, a video in the Civil War, a picture <laughs> of LaCroix doing his like hover feed snarl thing. And the photographer's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure I did. I I got a picture of this guy and, and the world needs to know. Like I, I got a picture. And Nick is like, no, boom, boom. No, you didn't. Heartbeat. (laughs) You did not do. There's no. There is no picture. And the photographer's like, "What are you doing? What are you trying to do to me right now?" There's a picture. There's for sure a picture. And Nick's like, "Ah, I failed." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We go back to the main time, and Skinky is waiting for the cop watch crew. He's actually put a penny down as a mark for himself. So he'll have a place to shoot for, to stop. Yes, to go stand. Yeah. Yeah. And they are not showing up because little does he know, Tawny got what she wanted out of him and from Nick. Right. And Bobby's still and yeah, recovering. Bobby's recovering. So nobody's there. And But he wants the crew to be there. He, They have the guy in custody. He's yeah. supposed to be interrogating this guy. Right. But instead, he's waiting for the film crew to right. film him interrogating him interrogating he's like well i thought they would want to see it and stone tree's like do your fucking job skanky skanky go do your fucking job and skanky's <laughs> like i'll go do my fucking job <laughs> Just to do it. <laughs> and we go to the studio and tawny is showing this video to the guy that we're not supposed to know he's a vampire yet but honestly guys this guy's a vampire, right? Right. I mean, just running it past somebody. She just wants to impress somebody. Yeah. She's like, "What do you? Th- what do you think that was?" And he's like, "Well, it kind of looked like a guy flying." And she's like, "Fuck yeah, it looked like a guy flying." Yeah. I am putting this on the air. I don't know. Superhero who, cop. I don't know what can of worms I am opening here, but oh my god, I am opening up these worms. And the guy's like, "Yeah, cool story, Tawny. So I'm gonna go now." And he gets up. He's like, I'm on overtime. I gotta go. So he goes out the front door and it's just like, like a fire style <laughs> thing, and then whooshes up into the, into the sky. Like, right. He's just standing. He's standing literally in front of the yeah. TV building. Look. And he just whoosh. He's so jazzed to snitch. He can't wait. He's like, oh, I got some. There must hot be some tea. kind of reward. He's like, damn, I got some tea. I got to go spill it. I'll be back. And so he yeets off into the sky. And he's gone off to tell the enforcers. Because that's who the, that's the stakes, is the enforcers. Which in the flashback, when the enforcers show up, they, okay. So in the being human. You can't take them seriously. You can't. You can't. Yeah, because they have these, they're like tusks. Right. (laughs) And they can't even close their mouth. The one guy in the background, the poor guy, is trying to close his mouth, but it's just like, so they're just making like a continuous growl sound because his mouth is still open the entire time. They are less comical in the past, possibly because it's dark. 
than when we first see them in the modern times. Yeah. And literally, it feels like these two guys were like, all right, we're going to enforce the code. And everyone was like, what code? And they're like, the code. <laughs> <laughs> that's our that's our job here. That's why we're here. Yeah. And then they just showed up and started killing people. And no one has questioned it. Because there is no other structure. How do you contact them? Are there only <laughs> two of them? Are there only two of them? Do they ever put their vamp face away? Yeah. Is I think this, no. Is this they the, don't. the North American division? The East Coast North American <laughs> division of the Enforcers? Is that why it's the same two guys in the Civil War and now? And if there's only two of them, what if a vampire gets exposed, like, in Europe? Do they have to make the trek all the way over there? Yeah, they just fly. Or is there a, well, if you can't fly in a day, then you can't do it. <laughs> but... It's just, I have so many questions about the enforcers. Are they special in some way? Are they stronger? Because even Lacroix is afraid is afraid of them. Lacroix yeah. is like, well, I think he's partly afraid for Nicholas too. Yeah. Because not only do you kill the person, but you kill the vampire that exposed themselves, which in this case is Lacroix. So I don't know why they're picking on Nick. Because Nick only became responsible for this photographer because the photographer talked to him. Lacroix is the one who got caught on in the picture lacroix is like no 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 it's fine the guy's dead you know here's the pictures everything's fine we don't need to kill nicholas or anything it's great we're good we're good we're good and they're like <laughs> and there's the one who talks and the one who just growls no nobody talks they never talk they i never thought the talk. one guy no. actually talks no but not in the past no, no. he doesn't talk never. in the flashback never they don't make it. They don't make a peep. They just. Wow. <laughs> I'm have to sample the growls. Maybe that's the in. price they paid for their extra power. Yeah, they can't devamp. They, they can't devamp, and they cannot talk. They can't mainstream at all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Nick shows up, and Nick is like, "Look, you gotta forget." You got you got Tawny. Listen, you got to forget about this. And luckily, he went and had a chat with Jeanette because he tried to make Tawny forget and she wouldn't forget. And she was like, what the hell are you? And he was like, you know what? I got to do some research and I will be right back. OK, don't put this on the air. I'll be back. And we'll, we'll have another heart to heart. Five, ten minutes tops. We'll be done. So he goes. Don't touch that channel. <laughs> don't touch that dial. So he goes and talks to Jeanette. On this, it really is like he called Jeanette and Jeanette was like, fine. So they met on this set of stairs, just random set of stairs. Right. And he's like, I don't get why it's not working. And Jeanette's like, well, it's empirical proof. Right. Obviously. And she, she makes a good point here. Yeah. She establishes some part of the mythology about human psychology and how the hypnosis works. Yeah. Which is like the, the defense against being hypnotized by vampires is you uh, have proof right yeah if you have irrefutable evidence yeah the physical evidence is what makes it important right and as long as you have evidence you can't be hypnotized out of it because your mind is like no i i know it i know right. it i have empirical proof i have an anchor to reality and jeanette's like you would know all of this if you spent any time with other vampires and nick's like I, I'm going to take that criticism and I'm not going to receive it, 
but I, I hear you. See you Thursday. And then he's like, dip. And he just leaves because she's like, you know, they will come. They will enforce the code. <laughs> the code. The code. Because enforcers enforce the code. We really, we stretched for this plot line. Or they were like, I don't know, maybe it's What, like, what do you call them? What, what, I don't know. They, what's their title? They're what's like their a, role? They're a police. Are they policers? No. No. Are they coders? No. That's too weird. <laughs> <laughs> Growly McGrowlers. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. That's cool with enforcers. Meanwhile, Skanky has called up an agent because he has decided that even if the cop watch crew hasn't come back, his future is in show business. So he ramps himself up. And then he doesn't make a phone call from his desk, which I find interesting. He makes a phone call from the payphone. Then again, Don, only once in a lifetime does a man have a moment where fate takes his hand. You've got to follow that dream wherever that dream may lead. Be all that you can be. In the office. In the. Um, oh, yeah. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't want anybody to overhear him. He's like, be all you can be. <laughs> and right, they Skanky, wouldn't have had caller ID at the while time. Well, Skanky is doing that. Tawny's fighting for her life. <laughs> <laughs> Right, because, yeah. yeah, Nick and Tawny and the Enforcers are in the... Yeah. Uh, in the TV building. Because she's having a dream about Nick. So Nick has tried to help her, tried to save her life. She was like, fuck you, and went and showed the tapes to another vampire, effectively signing her own death warrant. And then she fell asleep. Because it was a hard day's work. So she passes out passes out on the editing booth. And she has a dream about Nick. And it's the several clips of Nick just vamped out doing stuff. And then she wakes up and she's like, huh, it's awfully quiet and empty and lonely in here. That's really weird. Um, right. If if Nick is what I think he is, yeah. I'm I'm kind of in a dangerous situation. See, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. So she gets ready to leave. Right. So she grabs her tapes and she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And so she's getting out and she sees the security guard. And is he dead? She tries to I, wake him up. I think the security guard is dead. I'm pretty sure the security guard is dead because he doesn't wake up through this whole thing. Right. And she's like, oh, are you sleeping on the job again? And then uh, the dynamic duo sneaks up behind her. It doesn't even sneak up. They just appear out of nowhere, like out of a <laughs> puff of smoke. And here's where I'm like, the makeup, guys. The makeup in this episode. What the what the fuck happened? Because he, the guy has on like white cake face makeup and then dark lips I don't know. They were going for extreme vampire. Right. Like these guys are all they're, they're so far vamped out. Yeah. That they can't vamp in. It's been so long since they've been able to close their lips that their <laughs> lips have literally atrophied. <laughs> well, they do have their lips closed at first, but then they're like <laughs> And she's like, ah and so she yeets. Uh, I mean of course she does. These right. random dudes that are like, I'm li- I have uh, walrus tusks in my mouth show up behind her and she runs and we get the nice she's running but they're walking villain trope 
Yes. You literally can't run fast enough to outrun a, outwalk a villain. And Nick finds her. And he's like, come on, we got to run. We got to go. They're, they're here to kill you. Where are the tapes? Do you have copies? Where are all the copies? We should probably go gather all those for reasons, okay? And so <laughs> he's like, well, did you show them to anybody? And she goes, yeah, Danny, the Night Watchman guy. And he's like, oh, God, that guy's Fucking a vampire. Danny. He's like, that guy's a vampire. And she's like, oh, but he seems so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and they get to the safe um, where she has her. She's kept the copies in the safe in an unused office that they just use for storage. Right. And she's trying to do the code and it's not working. So Nick's like, okay, you're not here. And he just rips the door off the safe because, hey. Right, we've dropped from zero chill to negative chill. Yeah. I mean, in for a penny. You think he would attempt to limit the number of things that he had to make her forget. No. 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 He's That's just like, all right, you know what? I'm already going to be hypnotizing all you out of all of this, so let's just go ahead. I'm going to rip the door off this safe. So he rips the door off the safe and throws it. Again, you can just break a lock, Nick, and then well, he, open the door. He's like, well, I've already messed this bed. I might as well piss in it, too. <laughs> <laughs> See, but then you don't have to just make the bed. You also have to strip the bed right. and wash the sheets. Yeah, then you have to throw. You have to burn the whole motherfucking mattress. Look, <laughs> you can just break the lock. Uh, anyway, again, you—it's harder to explain the safe door that has been ripped off and thrown across the room, which again, arguably, is empirical proof. Because she could right. walk in and be like, "How huh, did all this stuff happen? Wait, was, I'm, oh, this kind of holy rings a bell. shit! It could bring it all back, right? Right? Okay. Well, anyway, script writers, please take note. That's also empirical proof. Um, I guess it's not a picture, but it's evidence of something that she right. knew. Unless they clean up the whole, they just take the whole safe, like just eat off with the safe. Don't well, don't they start a fire in the building? No, that's in the flashback. Uh, In the flashback, the enforcers have killed his photographer friend. and Poor guy. I know. And they light everything on fire. The guy very dramatically, like, pulls stuff off the table and throws it on the ground. And then they light all this metal on fire. And it just burns. Which feels unfair, because I know this is a cloth tent. And it's probably a cloth tent closely nestled in with a whole bunch of other cloth tents. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Nick is like, look, Tawny, you, you got to give this up because they're going to be here. And then they just show up. <laughs> they're like, we're already here. <laughs> and he's like, here, here, here's the here's the tapes. Because he gets her to turn over the tapes, even though she says she can't. It's her journalistic responsibility. Okay. Nick, I, I can't turn the tapes over. It's my story. It's the biggest story of my career. The only story here will be about your murder, Tony. I'm sorry, Nick. Look, it's my journalistic responsibility. I just can't. Uh, it's Which, also your journalistic responsibility here's to stay alive. Here's a trope. R.I.P. this trope. You don't see this trope anymore. And that is the intrepid reporter who will risk their life for the truth. So let's all just take a moment and uh, have a moment of silence. In, in memory. In memory of the intrepid reporter. Good job, everybody. Because <laughs> she's like, I would literally rather die than give up this story. Like, sacrifice my integrity. Sacrifice this story. 
And Nick's like, well, good, because that's exactly what's going to fucking happen. Is you're going to die and all of the proof is going to go bye bye. And I'm going to die, too. And the only the only story here will be your murder. And she's like, all right, well, and you put it that way. So she gives him the tapes and he just like pushes them at the at the enforcer, shoves them in their chest and is like, here you go. There's the tapes. And then he turns around and he hypnotizes Tawny because now her proof is gone. She can't access it anymore. Right. And so he's like, you're going to forget about the tapes. You're going to forget about me. You're going to forget about all this. And and you're going to go to sleep. And so she passes out and he's like, cool, guys. Cool. And so the smaller enforcer guy is about to come forward and kill them. And the taller enforcer guy stops him, which is probably why you remember them talking. They don't talk. They just yeah. interact in a way that isn't walking forward while growling. <laughs> <laughs> I put in my notes, do they need a lozenge after all that growling? <laughs> just, you know, they just go and they're like, oh, <clears throat> it's just so, are they a couple? I want them to be a couple. And like oh, they go home, there you go. they go home at the end of the day and they're like, oh man, another one. We enforced the code so hard today. Oh man. God, and they're just like rubbing the one guy's rubbing the other guy's shoulder. And it's like flexing his jaw like, oh, it's so hard to keep my mouth open that whole time like that. <laughs> I just wish, I wish there was a better way. <laughs> just, oh God, that would be the best follow-up to this episode is that they are a couple that have just been together. That's why they always show up together. They don't have to, but they like it that they work together. They get to spend a lot of time together. So you heard it here first that they are a couple. Yeah, he gets her to forget the day is saved. Um, which begs the question, does Natalie know about the enforcers? I think no. Because she's never mentioned them or the code, which means that Nick has kept her entirely in ignorance about the fact that her life is actually in danger. And right, it, if it gets out. If it gets out. Right, the only one who knows about natalie knowing is jeanette yeah and jeanette's no snitch right and anything for nicola yeah well natalie's not you know and nick has told other people throughout history because lots of flashbacks are him with people who know he's a vampire who are trying to help him find mortality right but which means only... he's willingly risking these people's lives and his own life. And his own life by revealing his identity and then not informing them about the stakes. The literal stakes. <laughs> yeah. But then Tawny wakes up again and she's like, I had a really weird dream. And Nick's like, where was I in putting this episode together? <laughs> Nick's oh, like, I can't remember. good. Which he goes to all that work to erase her memory keep everything copacetic, get back to the fact that he's human and erase all of her doubt and kind of take her off the trail of figuring out what he is. He lingers long enough for her to wake up to confirm that she doesn't remember anything. And then he takes off out of the editing room. He whooshes out of the editing room <laughs> while she is still talking to him. <laughs> He's like, good, bye. Whoosh. He just takes off. And she's like, Nick, where did you go? Well, it turns out he went to have like a dick swinging moment with Danny where they like growl at each other for a second. Yeah. And he's like, time to move on, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> this, 
Uh, this whole episode was so hard to watch. And that includes this scene with Danny. It's yeah. so awkward. I know. They just growl at each other like, my fangs are bigger than your fangs. It's like uh, wild animals, right? If they have to actually resort to harming each other, <sighs> it's gone too far. Most of the time they just posture. So they posture at each other for a little bit. And then we cut to the rap party because they're having like a rap party at Nick's house because the cop watch episode is finally going to air. Right. And this is so funny because like, why is it at Nick's apartment? Right. Who, who decided <laughs> that, was, that was weird? I guess because he has the space. I'm wondering if it was... Okay, so like the the scene with Natalie and the stairs makes me think maybe their sets budget didn't have enough to have another scene, have a scene at the Raven. So they're like, oh, well, instead of having this whole big deal of getting all the extras and everybody yeah. in the Raven, we'll just have Nick and Jeanette meet in. In yeah. an anonymous location, right. just the two of them. Oh, uh, you know, we did all these outside scenes, whatever. Uh, we need to have a party at the end. Uh, and okay, well, Nick's apartment is already set up. Yeah, it's all good. We'll, we'll to just go. we'll just use that. Right, Stone Tree came to work wearing like Gary Farmer just wore his regular outfit because he's got like a linen, like a striped linen shirt on, which looks super comfortable, by the way, mm-hmm. and some leisure pants. And Natalie is wearing the most 90s top <laughs> in existence. <laughs> if you had to distill 90s fashion into a top, it is the top that Natalie is wearing because it is a black button up tank top with silhouettes of <laughs> lizards <laughs> on it. The Southwestern. Remember the, like, Southwestern? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. With the, like, knockout images of lizards on her shirt. It's, yeah. And Stone Tree's walking around, and he's like, hey, ladies, you want to try the little weenies? (laughs) (laughs) And then he walks over to Nick, because everyone is chatting and having fun and eating snacks, and Nick is literally sitting at his kitchen table with his back to everybody. Hors d'oeuvres, ladies. Try little weenies, sir. They're great. Oh! Don, didn't I mention I'm in a lot of pain? What are you writing, your yearbook? Pining over this book, which has a picture of his photographer friend in it from the Civil War. Because Tawny gave him a book that was like combat photography through the ages or whatever. Was it Tawny that gave it to him? Yeah, Tawny gave it to him. I thought it was somebody else that gave it to him. (laughs) Stone Tree walks over and he's like, Where'd you get the little pizza rolls? They're a big hit. And Nick's like, yeah, okay, whatever. He doesn't even answer the question. He's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, Stone Tree's like, what are you looking at? And he tells him it's the, you know, the combat photography. That's how we know what the book is. And then the theme song for Cop Watch starts to play. And they're all like, it's on, it's on. So they run over to go and watch it. And it opens with the same scene that our episode opened with. And... um. They get a phone call. Nick gets a phone. For some reason, the phone rings at Nick's house. <laughs> and it's for Skanky. <laughs> and it's Skanky's agent. And Skanky's agent is dropping him because you've just five minutes into this episode. It's too much for him. Yeah. He's such a bad actor. Quote, bad actor. And Nick, they're laughing and whatever. And so Nick looks over at Tawny and Tawny's like, thanks, Nick. For everything. And then they have a loaded look, which 
leads me to believe she needs to be number 14 on the list. Oh, you think the I think the, the implication take- I think the implication at the very end is definitely that Tawny remembers more than she's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. So I Thanks for saving my life kind of thing. Yeah, she goes, "Thanks, Nick." And then they look at each other for like a long second and she goes, "For everything." And he just gives her this little like smile. So I'm going to go ahead and say she's number 14 on our list of people that Nick has exposed himself to and then not properly cleaned up after himself. Yeah. Yeah. So this was an uncomfortable episode. It was a attempt at world building. A it it was an attempt. It was an attempt. <laughs> an attempt was made at yes. world building. Um I don't think we ever referenced the enforcers ever again. I mean maybe like in passing, but there's sure as shit not showing up. <laughs> maybe they gave up. Maybe they were like Look, we've been doing this for like 500 years and nobody else is volunteering to take over. So we're just going to let this go. <laughs> just going to, you guys enforce the code on your own. All right. We, we want to go have some time for ourselves. Yeah. We have a, our relationship has suffered because we've just been giving so much of ourselves to this <laughs> that we haven't been taking enough time for each other. Exactly. Yeah. I like to think they just retired. And moved on. And that's not, that's why we didn't talk about them ever again. Not because the season one to season two changed so much that we just ditched it, but because (laughs) they were like, look, it's, you know, when you join a club and you end up like, I always end up president of the club. And then you're like, oh, nobody's participating. Nobody's volunteering. Maybe we can just let this go. Yeah. Just let the club dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. They let the club dissolve. And, but the they didn't club. tell anybody. They were right. just like, okay. But maybe they shut down the hotline. I don't know, because I don't know how they, <laughs> they contact them. <laughs> yeah, they never discussed how you report a violation. Yeah. No. That's why, that's why I said I have questions. Are there other parts of the code? Or is that the <laughs> only code? Is don't expose yourself to mortals. Maybe it's not just expose yourself to mortals. Maybe it's expose yourself to mortals in a way that will lead to that vampires as a other whole being yeah. discovered. Yeah. That would make more sense. Because Natalie isn't necessarily going to, well, she might publish a paper. But she doesn't have, like, photographs and video and stuff. Right. And all of the people who happen to see Nick... So before the wouldn't advent, make like a credible witness. Before the advent of the camera, what did they enforce? Before you could catch somebody's picture, was it like, is this you chiseled on this clay slate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because before photography, before photography, what the unless there was like a group of people right. that all saw the same thing. And could make a, like, credible report about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why you get more mythological, like, experiences pre, like, Industrial Revolution. Because the enforcers weren't working? Well, because there was... (laughs) (laughs) That's why the number of miracles has dropped. It's because the enforcers have been doing their job since the advent of photography. Photography didn't expose. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there's a nebulous society of <laughs> of supernatural creatures that have just nipped in the bud any yeah. any kind of leak about supernatural events. Yeah. The Enforcers Club. There's a whole bunch of them. There's the Vampire Enforcers. There's the Werewolf Enforcers. <laughs> Every once in a while they get together and have a meeting and they're like, guys, we need a better name. And they're like, but we enforce the code. It just tells people what we do. They're, they're code enforcement. <laughs> they're code enforcement. <laughs> One code. The only code. It's not even the... Why do they call it... The, I guess it's the, it could be the rule or the law, but the code implies there's a list. Right. There's a group of things that they are not allowed to do. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I, I just liked, you know, I'm going to leave us with this image, which is a Egyptian vampire being brought before this <laughs> wall painting of a dude with green eyes, like hovering over another guy who's lying on the ground. And they're like, does that look like you? He's like, I don't know. Standardized. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the other Egyptian vampire guy. <laughs> Could be, couldn't be me. <laughs> the possibilities <laughs> are pretty, pretty broad. Hmm. Okay. Well, somebody fucked up somewhere along the line because we know vampires exist. I mean, we know of vampires, right? There's vampire mythology in every single culture. Right. So maybe that's, they just couldn't keep up. Right. Yeah. And so after a while, it sort of leaked out. But nobody has irrefutable proof that they're right, that they're correct, right. that they exist. So I guess in that sense, they have succeeded. Maybe they've continued enforcing the code because we still don't have empirical proof that vampires exist. Yeah. Like mythological vampires. I think we should just leave it at that. I feel like we've peaked. Yeah. <laughs> we've peaked. Nick's peaked. Everybody's peaked. Let's just peak here. So remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love who you love and love what you love, even if it's your fellow vampire guy that you've been enforcing codes with for hundreds of years and a romance bloomed between the two of you over, Peak your, romance. over your mutual love of slaughtering rule breakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited about that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>